Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey Jonathan, how's it going? It's going well. It was good to see you and everybody at Southeastern this week. I was over in uh, Wake Forest where you can taste the pollen. It's pretty rough right now. It's terrible. I've never seen pollen like that before. Yeah, it's um, it, this is a bad week. We have finally learned after about five years, sort of the um, over-the-counter, you know, things to to help us get through it, not end up with sinus infections and things like that. But it is, it is not good. This year we didn't get any kind of a break. Like it was just winter and snow and you know things and then uh, like immediately as soon as the temperature went up and we could enjoy it the pollen came out it's rough it was awful it was awful but i had a great time at southeastern it was good to see dr aiken good to see you and uh sam and uh bruce and everybody over there and keith uh, i saw him as well so i got to see a lot of a uh, lot of the friends over there at uh, at southeastern and that, that was always good it's always a pleasure to be on campus there got the campus looking great love the flowers out front so uh, it, it was it was just a great time at Southeastern. Quick in and out, just 24 hours, but uh, we had a great time. So uh, it, it was good to see y'all. Well, we were glad to have you, and Dr. Rayner did a wonderful job in chapel. So really, really good. Did. Before we jump into this week's news, we want to thank another seminary. That's the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, located in Louisville, Kentucky. They are committed to training future pastors, missionaries, and gospel leaders. You can learn more about undergraduate, graduate, and doctoral degree programs by visiting sbts.edu. We want to thank them for being a sponsor again this week on SBC This Week. All right, Amy, some big news uh, came out this week about a church association down in Georgia. Uh, the association disfellowshipped a church over racism charges. Uh, this happened down in the Mallory Baptist Association in southern Georgia. Yeah, this was a story that, you know, it hit through the Christian Index. Um, big surprise, I think, to a lot of people. Now, when you really read into the story, you start to see... This has been an ongoing issue. I mean, two years of uh, work on behalf of the local association and the Georgia Baptist Mission Board. Uh, a lot of mediation attempted in this. Um, you know, th- the story doesn't share necessarily all of the details, which I don't. I don't think that n- was necessarily intended in a in in this report. But it does seem to demonstrate a lot of due diligence on the part of um of everyone involved and it seems like this relationship between these two churches it was a declining um anglo church and a growing african-american church plant sharing uh, the same building and it seems like it just kind of fell apart it, it, yeah it did and uh raleigh white baptist church has been ejected from the Mallory Baptist Association and uh, the Mallory Baptist Association also been in contact with the Southern Baptist Executive Committee, as well as the Georgia Baptist Mission Board have notified them of that. We will have to wait and see if uh, the Executive Committee and the Georgia Baptist Mission Board will take similar actions. I remember our polity and our autonomy uh, prohibit you know from one from kicking them out of all. Uh, so we'll have to see if that continues on, kind of up the chain, so to speak. We've seen churches that have affirmed the LGBT members and even uh, staff members and pastors uh, be removed from local associations and so on and so forth, kind of up the chain uh, in the state convention and the national entity as well. Uh, so we'll have to see what happens with this one. Uh, right. There was an erroneous report out there that they'd been kicked out of all of it. Uh, by right, and a, that's, uh, that can't happen. Uh, yeah, every, that can't happen. 
So right. Yeah, there was a, a local news station that kind of kind of missed the polity there. Right. Yeah. So every association, convention, mission board, everybody has to work within their own um, structure. So at this stage, it's the local association that has acted. And then we will see, you know, sort of what happens uh, with each with each group because we have to work within our uh, systems. Ironically enough, and not a good ironically, but a kind of a, a bad ironically, I guess you could say, uh, this all broke on Wednesday, which was the 50th anniversary of the death of Martin Luther King, uh, while the ERLC and several others were hosting the MLK 50 conference over in Memphis, Tennessee. 4,000 people showed up for that thing, Amy. I know it was a huge live streaming event, too. You guys sponsored oh, the live goodness. stream. So, uh, but a, a wonderful event over in Memphis, uh, which included uh, over a million dollars in scholarships being uh, awarded and, and set up for you know minority students from Memphis. Uh, for a lot of Southern Baptist uh, seminaries, colleges, and even some just general evangelical colleges like Wheaton and Trinity and others. Yeah, um, it was a, a really massive event. I was shocked by the number of people uh, that tuned into the live stream in particular. You know, we knew leading up that it was going to be around 3,500, 4,000 people there um, because they had said that from registrations. But the the live stream, you know, you don't know until people start tuning in and you're sitting there watching it and realizing because you could see how many people were watching it live um, and realizing that at any given moment, I mean, 27,000 people were tuning in and that was just all at one time. I mean, I think the the numbers for overall, you know, spread over the two days, I mean, we're in the six figures probably of, some, you know, of people that tuned in at any one given time. So pretty phenomenal uh, response and uh, some really, really incredible conversations. A lot of people were involved in this, obviously, uh, the ERLC being co-host uh, to it, a, a lot of them, but but many other people uh Steve, Dr. Steve Gaines, um, president of the SBC, he was part of a panel there um, representing and, and uh, along with other pastors in Memphis. So a lot of people participated. Yeah, and I heard nothing but good things from people who were in attendance. So it was good to see this event go on and, uh, you know, kind of coinciding with all the other events that were going on in Memphis uh, for the 50th anniversary of the assassination of Martin Luther King. So uh, congratulations to everybody involved with that event. Just a, uh, a wonderful event from all accounts uh, over in Memphis. Moving on over to the executive committee. Uh, we, we talked a lot last week in the wake of a resignation of Frank Page as the president of the executive committee. What the next steps may be. We announced uh, last Friday, as you heard it here first, the executive committee will be calling a meeting on April 17th uh, to elect a search committee. They have commitments that will uh, make a quorum. So uh, they are going to have that meeting on April the 17th. And they've also named Augie Bodo, uh, the executive vice president of the Southern Baptist Executive Committee, as the interim president of the executive committee. We talked about that uh last week that bylaw six, you know, calls for one of the vice presidents to be named as the interim president. So, uh, Augie Bodo is the executive vice president. So that's, it's not really a surprise that, that he would be the interim president. And, um, you know, this is very important because this is happening so close to the annual meeting. And, uh, so it's the biggest, 
biggest event of the year for the executive committee staff. And Augie Bodo has been, I mean, he's, he's been with them doing this for 20 years now. And uh, so knows the, knows the routine very yeah, well. The not staff his first knows rodeo. Him. That's right. That's right. So, you know, I've known him, worked with him for a few years. And one thing that's always very clear is that uh, he takes the process of our annual meeting very, very seriously and uh, takes it very seriously for it to go according to what our bylaws say, um, that messengers are all respected and and have uh, the opportunity to, you know, use their use their voices and to work together. And so he takes that very seriously in his role uh, for convention policy every year. And so to be the interim president now um, at a time that's just kind of a challenge for everyone, this transitional time, um, we can just know that that's going to matter to him going into the annual meeting. He'll take it very seriously. And so uh, I think everything's in, in good hands. It is. We're also anticipating that meeting on April 17th here in Nashville uh, to select the executive committee president search team so we'll keep you updated on that stay with us on twitter as that approaches and the day of uh will likely be over there i'm not sure if it'll be an executive session or not if it is i'll probably be sitting in the lobby if not i'll be in the room so uh being able to kind of watch and see what goes on not sure if they'll let me live tweet that or not so probably not i would guess um <laughs> but uh we, we will see and uh, we'll just kind of keep following the story so we do have some good news though amy in colorado yes. 80% increase in baptisms from the previous year as reported through the ACP out there. That's incredible. Talked to Nathan Lorick this week, the executive director out there. Just an incredible, incredible response by Colorado Baptist. Uh, much of this to do with increased reporting. Uh, they had 42% of their churches report last year. Now they have 60% of their churches reporting. Uh, so there's still some room to grow there. It, it, and, you know, one of the things we've talked about with the baptisms is that churches are still baptizing people. Some are baptizing fewer, yes, but a lot of them just aren't reporting and we don't know it. So when people start reporting, you start getting better numbers. We had a 1,407 baptisms. They had 1,407 baptisms last year in Colorado. That is up from the reported 782 in 2016. So a big jump. Much to do with the reporting, but also to do with Coloradans reaching more people. So it's kind of and a little bit of A and a little bit of B, you know, and we don't know how much of each, but uh, the reporting going up is actually helpful because we know more about what our churches are doing and can resource them and help them better. But at the same time, it's also encouraging to see that they are baptizing more out in Colorado. So congratulations to the Colorado Baptists and Nathan Lork. That's great news. It's also the first of the month, Amy. You know what that means. CP. And we're also up still 4.9% above the mid-year projection. That comes in at a little bit over $100 million. Uh, put your pinky to your mouth when you say that there. Uh, but $100,706,826.63, which is, uh, Amy, I know you can even do this math. We're halfway through the year. And we're over $100 million. So that means what is a possibility for the cooperative program giving this year? It's early, Jonathan. You said that even I can do the math, but I'm just still going to let you do it anyway. The answer is $200 million total for the cooperative program. So it, it's entirely possible that we could be a little bit over $200 million, uh, for the year. 
depending on just how things shake out and how things come in. So uh, that would be exciting. That'd be great to see if we could uh, get to that $200 million mark. But we are well over the $96 million budgeted giving right now. So that's encouraging. And also, uh, because we're talking about it this time of year, the designated giving, which is, uh, you know, the Annie Armstrong, Lottie Moon, that kind of stuff, is at $117 million, which is 2.4% above what was received last year. That's not really budgeted, so we don't really have a budget to go off. But we do know that we have gotten more designated giving of 117 and change million dollars, which is, you know, about $2.7 million over last year's uh, designated giving. So that That's also fantastic. is encouraging. Fantastic. Also, finally, we have a, a legal update. Amy, here's our legal update sound. And we move to Texas, where the attorney representing Dwayne Rollins, who has uh, sued Paul Pressler for alleged sexual abuse, uh, they have brought forth the first in what they say will be a series of affidavits corroborating the client's claims. An attachment to a motion filed April 3rd in the United States District Court of the 2nd District of Houston uh, d identifies a married man in his 50s living in New York who says he believed Pressler had designs on him when he was a teenager. We won't go into the details of the affidavit, Amy, but uh, that is quite an update to this case. Yeah, so we're just in... Uh, in keeping with uh, the regular updates that we give whenever these stories kind of expand, that's just uh, sort of a new uh, a new development. Yeah. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us this week in the news department. That's going to bring us to my favorite part of the week this week in SBC history. Amy, blow our minds. All right. So we're going to go to 1968. Um, and it's the top story on Baptist Press from April 9th that uh, the headline is New York Area Baptists Take Convention Formation Steps. And uh, so it's coming out of Endicott, New York, that Baptists from New York, New Jersey, and Lower Connecticut took steps toward creating a Baptist state convention in 1970. So they're preparing for 1970, adopting a constitution for a new Baptist fellowship of New York. So it would function, um, in effect, as a state convention, uh, the fellowship would, uh, until the convention would officially be organized in the fall of 1969. So if you go to the Baptist uh, Convention of New York, if you go to their website and they look at their history, it talks about how their story started in the mid-1950s um, as as uh, churches sort of began, as Southern Baptists resettled in the region and kind of expanded their mission but it was 1968, it was the end of the 60s, moving into the 70s, where they began to establish as a state convention. And so it was reported uh, on that April 9th that they were beginning the steps to that. So a lot of incredible things have happened uh, in in New York. I mean, I'm hearing about church plants there all the time. Um, uh, really, really good work and partnership with NAM. Uh, what just a, an unbelievable mission field there now, but they were already focusing. And so it's kind of neat sometimes when you see the beginnings of these state conventions, and they were taking the steps to come together uh, to really form that uh, connection so that they could cooperate together. And they were doing it um, this week in SBC history. That's really cool. We haven't seen many formations of state conventions recently. Uh, you know, the, the conventions have kind of been there right? Uh, as far as you and I have been, since you and I have been around in the SBC. So it's kind of neat to, to kind of look back at this. 
Yeah, and when you think about it, I mean, a lot of these, le- the legacy conventions, uh, the oh, legacy yeah. state conventions, I mean, they were, a lot of them were in place before the Southern Baptist Convention yeah. was formed. So they have these, you know, histories that go way back, but you start to see some of these uh, pioneer uh, areas and expansion um, that they did form later. And it really came from, you know, Southern Baptists going out to these areas. And so it's kind of neat to to see um, to see the story as it was happening, saying they've taken steps toward creating the conventions. If you think about in that moment, they're on the ground floor of it. And now we're able to look back at it uh, as we now see a lot of churches that have really done uh, some good in that area. So it's just kind of a cool, cool thing. See that, that thread that started in the 60s kind of continue on to today and what what's going on up there with the Sin New York and, and things like that. So very, very cool. All right, well, that's going to bring us to our resources of the week. My resource of the week is a book by Jarvis Williams. We've talked about this before on the podcast, but it just seemed fitting uh, this week uh, to remind you of Removing the Stains of Racism from the Southern Baptist Convention, the book by Jarvis Williams, a professor over at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Uh, I encourage you to check that book out. Uh, we, we've had a couple of stories this week kind of touch on that subject. Uh, with the MLK 50 conference as well as the uh, the association down in Georgia. So uh, always a good resource for those in the SBC, uh, the book by Jarvis Williams, Removing the Stain of Racism from the Southern Baptist Convention. Um, all right, my resource is a, a study that's been around for a long time, but it has been recently revised. It's called Mentor. Um, it's by Chuck Lawless, How Along the Way Discipleship w- Will Change Your Life. Yeah, I saw um, the, uh, the new copy of this the other day in the office. That's kind of yeah, cool. Yeah, and uh, so new edition came out January 2nd. Um, I actually did this study with someone as part of a mentoring relationship years ago when uh, I was back at Southern Seminary. They had a um, a program that was kind of connecting some of the women on campus with some of the college students and, and things. So I, I was part of that, and that was the study that we went through uh, together. But I am uh, happy to be reading it again because I'm taking a class on a disciple um, discipleship and disciple making with Dr. Lawless right now. And this is my reading for this week. And so I thought, well, I should bring up the resource that I'm currently using. And it is this. So it, what's nice is um, it's been so long since I read it the first time. I need to read it again anyway. But now it's this revised edition. So updated. It's um, six small group sessions. Um, and an opportunity to sort of lead a group. I'm just reading it as part of the class, so I'll just be doing it on my own. But really the idea is uh, kind of life uh, mentoring and discipleship, life on life. Uh, and uh, it's, it's great. Dr. Lawless's studies are just always, always good. They are. And big fan of Dr. Lawless. And I also just want to give a, a quick shout to him and his wife, Miss seeing them this week. They are up in Ohio. Pam's mother died uh, yes. recently, and they are up there yeah. uh, attending to that. And uh, so prayers go out to the Lawless family as well as Pam's family. Uh, so uh, they're in our prayers, and I hope to see Dr. Lawless at the uh, annual meeting this summer in yes, Dallas. I believe and that he will be there. And we hope to see all of you at the annual meeting in Dallas. If you're still trying to get your plans together, go over to sbcadvance.com. That's sbcadvance.com. You can find all the information. We put some uh, information up for you for that uh, that outlines where to stay, 
how to get around everything at, uh, you know, how to register and everything for the annual meeting in Dallas. So uh, go check that out over at sbcadvance.com. Amy, uh, we're, we're looking forward to seeing everybody in Dallas. Yep, it's uh, just two months away uh, from like, two months from today, I'll be doing all my last minute packing and everything. And uh, that's kind of incredible that we're getting this close. Yeah, I think two months from next week's episode will be kind of the the two month mark from the last day of the convention, the Wednesday. Yes, yeah. So if I Which did that, my math this right, this means it's a lot of and and shout out to all the entities right now because uh, this is kind of the season where it's a little crazy for all of us because all the materials that we're going to take. Um, items for our booths, you know, anything for events that we're putting on, we have to be developing those now because they have to get to printers and, you know, things so that they're available in time to ship. So our crunch time um, on the entity side of things really begins at, at the at the 1st of April. So we're in convention mode already. Yes, same here. We've uh, had several uh, meetings about our Lifeway breakfast and Lifeway booth and everything. So Lifeway breakfast should be fun. Did I tell you what we're doing with that, Amy? You did, but let's let's uh, go over it again. I don't know if we talked about it here on the podcast, but we're doing a Rainer on Leadership type of uh, podcast, uh, live taping or whatever you want to call it, at the Lifeway breakfast. So me and Dr. Rainer will be on stage doing that. So um, yeah, that, that should be fun. Talking about the, the topic, is our denomination dying? I think that'll get a lot of people. Is that enough of a tease to get people to come? I would say so. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say so as well. So we'll, we'll see. It's going to be a fun time. Uh, we've got uh, uh, some great topics uh, lined up for that and some good questions. So uh, follow us over at, uh, at, at Tom Rayner on Twitter. You'll see more about that. Uh, check his Facebook page as well, uh, Tom Rayner on Facebook and uh, you can find uh, the information for that if you're interested in going or, you know, check out the LifeWay social media channels. Uh, they're going to be on there as well. So uh, very small room this year compared to the last couple of years. Uh, we only have room for about, I think, 800 to 1,000. Uh, that's like the largest banquet hall space that they've got there at uh, the SBC. So um, if you're interested in coming, you need to get your tickets now because I think they're about half gone. So we've, we've only had them out there for a couple of weeks and they're about half gone. Uh, and I know also if you, and I tweeted this out this week and I'm serious about it. If you're a woman listening to this show and you don't have time, but to make it to maybe one event the entire time, make it the women's breakfast for Southeastern on Wednesday morning. Yeah, I, we're I tweeted excited that out this that. week. Even Kathy Litton agreed with me. She retweeted it. So yeah, if Kathy Litton agrees, then you need to just do it. It's going to be good. We're it's going to be awesome. Jen Wilkin, good friend of the pod, is going to be on there. So excited to see uh, Amy and, and you and your folks over at Southeastern putting that on. Uh, was this the fourth year? Uh, it's our fourth, yeah, fourth breakfast. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. So it's grown from you know what it was in Baltimore that first time, and now right. uh, look, we are four years later. It's it's really grown, and it's uh it's exciting to see that on the calendar every year. It's going to be a good event. We're very excited about that. I hate to miss the Lifeway breakfast. Um, I'll have another yeah, you have meeting. Duties. Yeah, that you have that's, to attend to. That's kind of our breakfast. It, 
I, I typically, even the women's breakfast, I don't always get to go for the entire thing. I get to go kind of for the beginning, and then I have to, to duck out because of things getting Amy's started. Amy's important, folks. That That's her, nope, that's her like, that's code not, way of saying no, that Amy's a big no, deal. No, 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 no. But I hate to miss the Lifeway breakfast because it sounds like it's going to be really good. I'll have to try to keep track of it on Twitter. And, well, Amy, you are a big deal, and I'll see you next week. See you next week. See you next week.